0: How's everybody doing you guys doing good hey who's ridiculously cold already yeah I know I'm freezing freezing but it feels good in here uh, my name is David and uh, this is a picture of my sweet little family yeah I know I know That's uh, my beautiful wife Emily, my sweet daughter Lulu, my son Calvin, and our uh, sweet little baby Izzy. She's uh, two. I know. I know. They're the greatest. They're the greatest. Um, Where's my Bakersfield people at? (laughs) Are you for reals? That's like half the crowd. I heard you guys yesterday, but I thought, oh, that's a good amount, but that was ridiculous. Wait, is it, is it multiple churches from Bakersfield? Oh, my word. That's amazing. All right. Um, yeah, it's phenomenal to be with you guys. Uh, obviously, this week I get the opportunity to talk to you guys about missions, specifically God's heart for the nations, Um, And ultimately, uh, what happened with our family and God calling us uh, overseas to the country of Papua New Guinea, specifically among an unreached people group uh, named the Malayali. Now, a little bit of backstory, right? My wife always said, born and raised in Bakersfield, right? Uh, She always said, there's no way I could never be a missionary. Simply because, number one, I'm afraid of the dark. She still is afraid of the dark. Number two, she's afraid of bugs, still kind of is afraid of bugs. And then number three, she would never leave her family. But (laughs) strangely enough, ironically, uh, we moved uh, later on through our marriage to the most uh, darkest places on the earth, uh, the jungles of Papua New Guinea, with uh, the mass amount of critters and creatures crawling all over the ground, and 7,000 miles separated from her family to our tribe with some oceans in between. Um, we never anticipated being missionaries, and I'll, I'll get into that a little bit uh, later. But I, I want to come and just tell you that God is on a mission. From the very beginning, of scripture, of Genesis chapter one, all the way to the end of scripture in the book of Revelation, he has one singular mission and that mission is to be made known in all places by all peoples and eventually worshiped by every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every people group. He is on that mission. Man, my family, as you saw, we got to be a, a, just a, t- a tiny piece to that overall mission that he desires to accomplish. In 2015, along with our our two kids at the time, Calvin, he was four, Lulu, she was one. We moved to the country of Papua New Guinea after completing college and going through specialized training, after being qualified through our local church and recognized and then recommended to go overseas. We ended up in the country of Papua New Guinea and we began to learn that first language and culture. This Melanesian talk pigeon, and they're an island culture, so it's super chill, really fun, very relaxed. But as we began to learn this language, maybe I go look in one now this and am get to go inside, now one time, okay? we all get to by come back, now story one time. Okay, we learned this first language, we learned that first culture of Papua New Guinea, and then we began to look for a people group who had not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yet, this people group was isolated and ultimately we had GPS locations. So so previous to us, a group of people group assessment, they walked through kind of the, the mountains and the valleys and the swamps and the rivers of kind of uncharted territory and they found these people groups with different languages and all they could do was just write down GPS locations. And so after finishing language and culture of that first host uh, country of Papua New Guinea, we began to look at all these GPS locations, and we picked one of them with a nearby airstrip. We landed on that... Airstrip and then we began to hike to this GPS location to find Malayali. We should have looked at the map topographically. We thought it was going to take us a really quick jaunt, a hop and a skip over a mountain. But man, we were going up mountains, down mountains, cross rivers, over vine bridges. And we finally made it to the people of Papua New Guinea or the people of Malayali in Papua New Guinea, completely isolated, undocumented. They had never seen our pigmentation of skin before completely blown away. And after multiple attempts of, of trying to engage and talk as best as we could, uh, making hand gestures, giving them some, um, some free gifts, and they ultimately killed a pig, we, we leveled out a place for a helicopter to land. We brought in our families. We lived in their houses for three weeks. Our families left, and then we began to build our houses, cutting down trees, milling those trees, Getting all the lumber, creating our houses with him, and then we began to live among the Malayali people for the very first time. You guys, I kid you not. They had no Rosetta Stone. There's no, like, previous education that you could take to understand or hear their language. The first time we heard their language was the very first day we stepped in to their tribal context. I remember the very first day our houses were built and we're about to learn language for the first time. My coworker and I, we like step outside and we're like, okay, this is the day. We have our pen and paper. We're ready to learn this undocumented language that has never been written down before. And all we hear is, and I look at my friend and I'm like, there is no way we're going to be able to learn this language. Like how many words was that? What did they even say? And then... We didn't even see the person, but we heard it. And we thought, there is no way. I'm gonna let you in on a little secret, something that my coworker, I mean, he knew about, but he wasn't totally aware. Right now, I am the most dyslexic person in this room how like a guy like me i barely can read my own alphabet i barely can read literature in my own language how am i going to be able to learn this language that has never been written down and the lord was so incredibly gracious as we were so utterly dependent upon him the holy spirit showed up in an incredible way and words, or sounds turned into words, and words eventually turned into phrases, phrases turned into sentences, sentences into paragraphs, paragraphs to stories, and stories to our fluency. After a few years of learning the Malayali language, we became fluent in their language. We created a literacy program So that they would be able to learn how to read and write for the very first time. Now mind you, they're in oral language only. They have never had anything written down. And so we wanted to establish a literacy program so that they would be able to learn how to read and write. So not only would they be able to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ clearly in their language eventually. But they would be able, through education, to see the very scriptures, the very words of God himself, and they would be able to read it. After two established literacy classes, we began to translate chronologically 54 lessons to bring the message from Genesis to Revelation, the story of redemptive history, into the Malayali language for the very first time. But guys, I remember... Learning language, and this is kind of like in the beginning of learning language. And my best friend is um, in my office, and man, we've been slugging it out for months. And we're about halfway through learning the language at this point. We hadn't arrived at fluency, and uh, the helicopter, we're needing to go back home. We have some medical issues happening in our family, and, and he's sitting in my office, and, and he's just like, David, like I know the helicopter's here. Your bags are packed. Like, Can you just share with me? The message that you've come to bring? Can you just tell us this, this God that we have been missing? And I look at him and I'm like, man, you know. Like I, I can't. We're just not there in your language yet. And we kind of, you know, him and and then he asks another question. And he's like, Well, David, what happens if you go and you don't come back? How am I ever gonna hear this message? And I'm like, man, just trust me, I'm gonna come back, don't worry. But even if I don't, Nathan and, and Chad, the Muellers and the Earls, our coworkers and their families, they're here, they're going to get the message to you." He said, "Yeah, yeah, you're right." And his head hung, and his disposition and countenance completely changed. And there was silence, And then he finally asked the question that he had been longing to ask, his heart's question, David what happens if you go and I die? I'll never be able to hear this message. And I had to look at my friend and I had to say, I am so sorry, but Alec, you're just gonna have to wait. Now, right now, everybody's heart should just well up inside and say, David, why wouldn't you share with him? He's asking you to share. But up until this point, they didn't have a word for love. They didn't have a word to forgive. They didn't have a word for gift. And they had no word for eternal life. How would we be ever... How would we ever be able to share the greatest story without love, forgiveness, gift, and eternal life? That season from landing in Malayali or finding Malayali, building our houses in Malayali, learning language, literacy, and beginning to translate God's word, this video is just a small, tiny picture of what that season looked like for us. Okay, so fast forward. Again, we're in my office. These 54 lessons are, are being developed. Think about like 54 chapters from Genesis to Revelation, and those are being translated specifically to tell the Malayali people the chronological story from creation to new creation. Genesis to Revelation, 54 lessons. And we did it... Um, we didn't do it in sequence, like chronological order, so the people that we were using to help us, they weren't understanding the story and the flow of it. They were just hearing these stories, and they were absolutely amazed. And I remember, right, that same guy, like, he's in my office again. This time, we're, we're finished with language. We've done literacy. We're in that translation phase. He's, he's been waiting, like I've asked him to during that language period. He's been waiting. Now, he's, he's hearing the story of Jesus and Lazarus, and uh. He's whistling and tapping the desk, and that's kind of what they do for their exclamation marks. And And then I get done uh, reading the chapter, and then I kind of look at him, and he's, like, excited. And I'm like, what? If I knew what he was going to say, or I, at least I thought I knew what he was going to say. That he was amazed that there would be someone who would, hey, Jesus raised this guy from the dead. Like, come on. And... Uh, He looks at me and he says, you know the most amazing part about this story? This guy named Jesus. He said, David, did he really say that he's the source of life after death? That he's the resurrection and the life? What kind of guy is this? David, what does this mean? And I'm like, Just hold on. You're just gonna have to wait. Just wait a little bit longer, just a few more weeks. Then we get to the book of Luke. And we're in Luke chapter 24. And this is the narrative that we use to display Jesus's resurrection. And uh, the ladies are at the tomb. The angels are there and the angels are like, ladies, why are you looking for someone alive among the dead? Don't you remember? And Eric slaps the desk. And he's like, yes, I remember. He's the one who said he's the resurrection and the life. Obviously this grave, this tomb wouldn't be able to hold him. I said, you're right. And he said, what does this mean, David? And I said, you're just gonna have to wait just three more weeks. And we began to teach the Malayali people. Oh, you guys. I remember it clear as day when we began to teach the Maori people for the very first time. They heard the greatest, one of the greatest mic drops in all of, in all of the Bible. In the beginning, God mic drop. That's it. That there's this Trinity. There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And He is not only perfectly happy, but absolutely content. Not just happy and content, but He is lacking in. Nothing. Perfectly harmonious in his relationship. He needed nothing. There was a joy and a happiness about this relationship before anything ever began and the Malayali people were like that's exactly what we want. Where is this joy? Where is this happiness? And then they learned that God created all things not so that he could consume and enjoy the things that he has created for his own pleasures but he created all things and then placed Adam and Eve, male and female, man and woman in the garden to enjoy all the things that he has made. And not only that but the the Malayali people were absolutely shocked because this God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit would then ask Adam and Eve to join in the happy fellowship that they had before all of creation. The Malayali people were like, yes, yes, this is what we want. And they began to subtly ask the question, well, wait, if this is what our ancestors had, Why are we the way that we are? And then we got to Genesis chapter 3. And most of us know what that chapter is. That's where Adam and Eve disobeyed. The only command given to them by God. They chose to exchange their privilege of being God's and their position of being his light for something that they thought would benefit them, but they didn't. It didn't, and Adam and Eve were cast out of the garden, and the Malayali people began to weep. Not weeping because Adam and Eve had screwed it up for them, but weeping because they finally saw themselves in Adam and Eve. If they have sin and they've been cut off, then we have sin and we are cut off. But then Genesis chapter 3 comes with a promise, specifically in verse 15, that a Messiah, there would be one to come, and he would crush the head of the serpent. The yomatifu mofi this would be the road cutting man the messiah would come and cut a brand new road yomatifu mofi le you've coke mo apateu o apateu lua lua mofi lafapu e mani weyman. Ane way we lua mofi laf mani liame nanafu with nanafu with mu that the road cutting man would come and he would cut a brand new road. He would crush the head of the serpent. He would remove his people's sins and he would bring them back into a right relationship with God. And there they would be with him forever and ever. And the Malayali people began to long for this guy. When is the Yomatifu Mofi coming? When is he going to cut a brand new road? And we get to the story of Noah and they're like, this is the guy. David, do we need to build a boat? This is the guy. This is who we've been waiting for. And we're like, no, 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 no. Just, just wait. Just wait. Hold off. And then we get to the story of Abraham, and they're like, this is the guy. This is who we've been waiting for. He's the one who's going to bring happiness to the world through Israel. And we're like, no, 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 just wait. And then we get to the story of Moses, and they're like, this is definitely not the guy. This guy straight up killed somebody. We're waiting for the next. And we're like, yes, you're following. Great job. And then we get to the story of David, and the Malayali people are like, this is it. This is it. This is who we've been waiting for. You know, and they're all congregating. This is who we've been waiting for. We're waiting for David because this is why your parents named you David because they wanted to give you the honor of being named after the Oma Tifu movie. But you know what they saw, sadly? It wasn't David. But so devastatingly, every single king after that, it wasn't him either. Until lesson 34. Man, I remember. Everybody remembers lesson 34. Because that was the day the Malayali people walked away saying, we know him by name. His name is Jesus. He is the one who would cut a road for us. But then they became so shocked and undone and absolutely perplexed as they saw him hanging on the cross. This is the one we've been waiting for? David, Nathan, Chad, you've been teaching us for the last four months. He's dead. This is who we've been waiting for? And my friend, my friend Alec stands up and he says, guys, I think we need to wait. I think we need to wait and we need to watch because did he not tell us in his word, that we not only heard, but we got to see, did he not say that he would need to be hung up like the snake in the wilderness for all to look upon him? Let's wait and watch and see what happens. And three days later, they not only see visually from a skit, but they hear the word of God and they see it in the written scriptures. Jesus Christ is alive. He conquered death. He destroyed sin and he crushes the head of the serpent. Everything that he planned to do from the beginning of time has been accomplished in Jesus Christ. He is not just our sovereign king, but he is our gentle and compassionate Savior, and on that day we walked them through all the lessons all over again, seeing every single picture in the Old Testament that the Yomatifu Mofi would be, and they saw Jesus as the resurrected Savior and King of the world. And 75 men and women and children bowed their knee in love to Jesus Christ. And we now have brothers and sisters in the Malayali people group. This video is just a small small picture and taste of what that season looked like. <laughs> and it's not done. Our desire is to see a mature church not only planted but thriving. Co-workers are there right now. They've We've uh, baptized those believers, we've walked through Acts, we've gone through Romans, they're starting through uh, Ephesians, we're working on Galatians, the translation phase of Galatians right now. We want to see elders and deacons and a Bible translated fully into their language so that they could be sustained by God's word, um, situated as a church in the Malayali region and thriving until they die or Jesus Christ returns. But guys... I almost missed it. Literally, if we're looking at a train, I almost missed the train. Man, I remember I grew up in a Christian home. My dad was a pastor. I heard the gospel over and over and over and over again. And it wasn't until I was nine that for the first time I heard the gospel clearly and I realized if Jesus really is the Savior of the world, and my sins need to be taken care of. And confessing Jesus as my Savior and beginning to live like him as my Lord, I began to grow. But maybe for some of you this resonates. Those, I began to have small compromises in junior high that turned into bigger problems in high school. And I remember I was forced to go to summer camp. My parents made me go to summer camp. I wanted to work, but they wanted me to be here. And I remember Tuesday night in the lodge, on my bed, no one's there. And it felt like a thousand seeds had blossomed for the first time in my heart. And I realized if Jesus really is who he says he is, then my life should look different. And then, man, the Bible became my best friend. I lost all my friends. I lost all my friends. I quit my band. I was just that lame kid at school. And then all I wanted to do, as I began to read the Word and love the Word and study the Word, I just wanted to tell others. And so I began to pave this path. All I wanted to do was be a pastor. I knew the college I was going to, California Baptist University, graduated from there. Anybody from CBU? Yep, yep, CBU. I knew the seminary that I would go to. I knew the master's degree that I would get. I knew the the PhD program. I knew the guy that I wanted to study under. By junior year of high school, I had the title of my dissertation already picked out. I knew exactly what I was doing. And I'd come back to California and plant a church. But then my junior year of college, In the midst of walking down this path that I had created, guys, I almost missed it. Somebody for the first time in my life said, David, there are thousands of people groups that just don't have access to the gospel, but they will never hear the gospel unless someone goes, learns their language, and shares the gospel to them for the first time ever. That is the reality of God's mission today. There are thousands of people groups like the Malayali that would have never heard unless we went to them. There are thousands of groups that will never hear unless someone goes to them, learns their language, and shares it to them for for the very first time. Coming to Jesus and giving him my life, I saw him as, dude, if Jesus really is who he says he is, then my life should look different. But then coming to this realization that Jesus Christ stands up in Matthew 28 and gives this great commission to his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always. But something so pivotal happened for me, junior year of college. I saw for the very first time Matthew 28, verse 18, where Jesus Christ stands up and he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. You see, I always saw Jesus Christ as that compassionate savior, but it was for the very first time time, I saw him as a sovereign king. And if Jesus Christ is a sovereign king, then he has the rights to dictate our life. It's his mission from cover to cover. We know how it has begun, but do you know how it ends? Revelation 7, 9. John looked and saw something amazing. He saw every tribe Every people, every language, every nation surrounding the throne, worshiping the Lamb. Man, that is the end game of all of our lives. That is the end mission to what Jesus Christ has accomplished us to do. Maybe some of you are here and you're like, man, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. Let me tell you what, I know a lot of people groups that would love to have you come and present the gospel to them and they don't even know that it exists. To leverage your life in such a way to see the great commission fulfilled, to leverage your life in such a way that the mission of God comes to completion by our efforts as the church. Oh, would you give yourself to that? Your first step is to step out and just tell somebody. Man, I think this is what I want to do. I think this is what I feel God is calling me to do. Man, maybe some of you are here and it's that moment of when I was forced to go to camp. Man, you don't need to go and tell But you need to sit, listen, and learn about a God who genuinely loves you enough to send his son to die in your place, to live the life that you couldn't, and resurrect in order to give you the life that you could have never earned on your own. Maybe that's, that's who you need to bow your knee to. Not something under the sun, but something so much bigger than all things created. Hail King Jesus, the Lord of heaven and earth. Man, would you guys just stop, pause, and think. How can I leverage my future for the sake of making Jesus Christ known where he currently isn't. Leaders, we have some uh, helpful resources. They'll be up here uh, at the front. You could take those resources, read through them, help your youth group or your church understand mission a little bit better. We're here in the state of California to assist the local church in making missions their priority. Guys, Jesus Christ is on the move and his name is being made known in places we didn't even know existed. That is a privilege and a position and a purpose to leverage all things for. May we pray to that end that we would be people focused on his mission, bringing the gospel to where it hasn't gone yet. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful that you have sent your son, that he did everything we couldn't. He lived perfectly, he died the death that we deserved, and he rose again to give us everything that we could have never earned. Father, you, through your son, because of your love, freedom and forgiveness. And eternal life is available. I pray that these students would come in contact with you this week. Would they experience you afresh? Would they see you for many, maybe for the very first time. That you are a compassionate Savior. Oh, but Father, I pray for some in this room that they would see you as a compassionate Savior and they would love you more intently, but they would see you as a sovereign king, that you have the rights to dictate their life. And whatever path they are paving, would you come and would you show them yourself more fully that they would be able to leverage their lives for your mission that is currently being accomplished. God, you're a good God. You're a good God. So we pray that you show up for every student, every ministry, every church in this room in a new and fresh way. We believe you will do these things and we are praying in your son's name, amen.